<laughs> Bro, that was such a good uh, bit. That was such a good cold open. Yeah, dude, that was such a great cold open. That I think that's the best one we've done so far. Fuck yeah, man. It was, oh my god, I'm, I'm just giggling thinking about, wait. Hey, can you check your sound form actually? Can you check your waveform? You were coming in and out a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, hold on, no problem. Bobby? Yeah? <laughs> Bobby, can, what's, uh, what's, yeah, what's, what's up? up? Yeah, what's up? <laughs> no, no, I said, yeah, what's up? No, what's up? Yeah, what's up? No, I want to know what's up with you. What do you mean, yeah, what's uh, up? I said, yeah, what's up? Hey, you want to know something funny? Yeah, what's up? Uh, I wasn't recording. Oh, no. Oh, oh the perfect. It, we had the perfect intro. Yeah, the thing with the the thing with the motorcycle guy. Yeah, uh-uh. and the the motorcycle guy with the indomitable hog. With the indomitable hog and the big sword and the f- freaking uh, leopard dogs, man. The the leopard dogs. They had such deep lore. God damn it! That was my best character. That was your best character, a wild pack of leopard dogs. The whole pack. I was every single, I had a unique voice yeah. for every one of them, and now it's all just fucking gone. You did this weird thing with your uh, freakish three lungs, where each lung was powering a different cadence, and you sounded like a full legion. It was wild. Yeah, I don't think I can do it again. I don't think you should. Remember what the doctors said, Bob? Yeah, I'll get cancer. <laughs> yeah, that's what they said. Don't talk in the cursed multiple throats. It gives you cancer. I remember we had that special guest. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had fucking George R. R. Martin. <laughs> yeah, he was here to he tell us about here. his favorite RPG maker game. Tales of Symphonia. Yeah, Tales of Symphonia. <laughs> George R. R. Martin confirmed that one, he's a huge Tales of Symphonia fan, and two, uh, he doesn't like dragons all that much. He yeah. thinks they're just okay. Yeah, he only he only put them in there because his wife said she'd leave him if he didn't. I don't know. Does he have a wife? I don't know if George R. R. Martin. We should have asked him when he was. On. We should have. It, it, it would have been such a it's weird so, statement. So rude how we didn't do any icebreakers with Georgie. I mean, since he said his wife would leave him, I assumed that you know he had one. <laughs> yeah, but wait, if he was lying about his wife, what, what else was he lying about? Was he lying about Tales of Symphonia? Was he lying about promising both of us that we would be? DLC characters in Elden Ring? Don't be mad at me, but you didn't get the email from Miyazaki about that? Uh no uh yeah, no, I I I got I got it. Yeah, for me it doesn't seem like he was lying about that because Yeah, uh, I got me, it. Uh what did what did you uh your what did yours say though? Uh real quick. What did what did yours what did they say to you uh real quick? Uh he said, Hey Bobby, my best friend, um the just so you know, the new Elden Ring DLC is going to be all about you and your great story and yeah. your your wonderful life. Um, 
hugs and kisses Hidetaka Miyazaki. You he didn't send you the hugs and kisses? Uh no, he he sent yeah. I got yeah, I got that. Okay, okay. Then he I... also sent me a uh $20 gift card to Dairy Queen. Oh, what? Yeah, cuz he just he likes me so much. Um fucking did he, hack. Did he, did he really call you his best friend? Yeah. Didn't send me a fucking Dairy Queen <laughs> gift card though. Man, but that intro though. That intro. Lost guess, like uh, tears and rain. <laughs> I've recorded things you people wouldn't believe. And he said it, that on the show because we invited him on too. Oh man. I guess this one will just have to do. I'm walking. <laughs> it's not the same. Oh man. We're nothing after this. <laughs> Fucking Christ. Oh my God. God. <laughs> Yo, this. <laughs> this is going to be our worst episode yet. This is going to be our worst episode. Yeah, I'm calling it right now. This one's going to be awful. This might be the. This this is going to be the rare episode that's carried by us talking about the games. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> That was really good, Bob, and that was incredibly insulting <laughs> and really good. <laughs> Yo, we really don't want to talk about these games, huh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man, my sides hurt. We really don't, uh, we're really <laughs> avoiding this shit here, aren't we? Like, hardcore. <laughs> hey, what's your name? <sighs> hey, what's your name, though, dog? Hey, um, who the fuck are you? <laughs> I want a clean take. I want a clean take so bad. Well, you're not getting it, bitch boy. <laughs> I'm Hunter J. Allen. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm Bobby McCarthy, folks. We like to have fun here. <laughs> and this is Two Itchy Boys, a little show about little games where we share with you the hidden gems and secret treasures we found deep within the Itch.io game site. And folks, this one's been a real fucking rough one. Yeah, so our theme for <laughs> this week was going to be uh, RPG Maker, which is what wound up happening. We got them, folks. <laughs> Yeah, I was about to say, you say that like, you say it was going to be like, we found something different. No, we, uh... We got them. We swam uh, in that there crucible, and we came out. We paid dearly for it. We've <laughs> we've been recording for like an hour. <laughs> oh, holy shit. Um, yeah, we, uh, our theme this week was RPG Maker games. And, uh, anyone who knows anything about RPG Maker games know that they are plentiful, bounteous, and 
a lot of them are there's a wide variety in quality <laughs> there yeah uh yeah uh it's like trying to find an avocado that's ready to eat at the grocery store there's a lot of avocados but which one's the avocado for you let's talk a little bit about rpg maker because i feel like some folks may not be familiar yeah i think a, a little background is is warranted here RPG Maker is a ready-made game maker kit for creating role-playing games in the style of JRPGs. It's more than a game engine. It uh, has a lot of programs stacked on top of each other. It's programs that come equipped with characters, tile sets, battle systems, its own simple scripting language, and a ton of assets you could use to create a RPG. The first version was released in Japan in 1992, and uh, was not released with an official English translation until 2015 in a Humble Bundle, uh, which I found fucking fascinating that it wasn't actually legally distributed in English until 2015. Like That, that is, is ab absolutely wild to think about. But before that, all previous English translations had been made illegally and distributed through uh, forum boards, which I guess kind of led to the sort of underground attitude and nature of RPG Maker. Um, there are a few RPG Maker games that you might be familiar with, including Lisa, Amori, Corpse Party, Yumeniki, uh, uh, To the Moon, and Ebe. Uh, Ebe notably having a Switch release coming up in, I think, a month or two. Oh, yeah. Forgot which, about that. Which is fucking bananas to think about how a game that was made in what, like... 2015, 2016, and released on, I believe, just Itch, is now getting a Switch port. That's fucking bananas. Um, but something you should probably know going into is that RPG Maker games have a uh, decent blight of infamy among video game fans. Um, it's a, an incredibly affordable tool that is easy to learn, which is great. Um However, this leads to an oversaturation of what can charitably be referred to as low-effort games. A lot of people from a lot of different walks of life uh, start out using RPG Maker. I say start out as if some of these people make anything else. But... Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, is is cool. It's It's very cool to have a program that is easy enough to use that you can really cut your teeth on it, that you can explore the expression side of game making without necessarily having to um, dedicate all the hours to the menial bits of it. Um, and I think that that can open game creation up for a lot of people who have a real knack for storytelling and narrative, but who aren't exactly capable of producing that kind of uh, technological-based output. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of, I mean, a lot of the, the greatest innovations in storytelling in, in the indie scene have come, or at least found found their genesis in some some RPG maker, like, creations. Yeah, it's, it's where a lot of people start. Um, but, but, not, <laughs> I mean, not, not every piece of art's gonna be a masterpiece i don't know how to 
I'm trying to find a really charitable way to say this without just dumping on it. There's just so much of it. There's just so much shit out there. Yeah. And there's just by nature going to be some stuff that isn't so great. Yeah. And like, no, no, I mean, we're, we're not going to dump on anyone in particular because like the, the fact is so, I mean, so much of storytelling in games and game design in general and what effective storytelling even means to people is such an individualistic thing that i mean to to a broad extent like it's it's just not our our place to come down definitive definitively on that kind of thing right yeah we we don't make games and i also i don't think tools themselves are bad there, there are a lot of bad RPG Maker games, and that's that's just the nature of it, because that's, there's a lot of RPG Maker games. There's going to be a lot of stinkers when you have a lot of them. Uh, but me and Bobby each found a pretty good one for this up. And not to mention how, how much I held myself back from really talking about how uh, fantastic To the Moon and Eve are. I, Man, dude, I, I could spend an entire episode just talking about To the Moon. That game. Thanks for giving kicks. me that, by the way. Oh, I you still bet. haven't played it, but it kicks ass. I haven't played it in years, but it was it was the first RPG Maker game I ever played, and it man, it is killer. God, it's it's such a lovely, sweet, affecting story. One of these days I will give it a try. I believe you. But we really need to stop beating around the bush here. We got We got some games to talk about. We got games to talk about. Yeah. Um just a heads up, this uh I think both games that we have chosen are pretty dark and uh it's going to get a little heavy talking about them. Uh so just a just a fair warning. Um if you're sensitive to themes of uh, abyssal depression and suicide, you might want to take a little step out or just brace yourself cuz this this is the dark episode. Yeah, this is um very this is going to be a very sad up, folks. That being said, I think I love my game. Oh, me too. I fucking adore this thing. Like like I think I I think I have a love for this game that surpasses most of the games I've brought in the past. And like I I don't think I would have brought such a a big bummer of a game unless it really did impact me. Uh, a good segue into this, I do go first this week. Um, yeah. The game I chose was Flesh, Blood, and Concrete by IO, just the letters I and O. Uh, this, was, this was released in 2021, and it's free in your browser. It's about an hour and a half long. And this is a game about loneliness, it's a game about belonging and the perception of belonging and memory. Again, back out now if 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 this really isn't your bag. Um this is a game about not really wanting to live anymore. Fun. But yeah, real real party themes. Good. Um <laughs> You play as Lara, an architect living in Moscow, stranded after getting their car stuck in a snowdrift miles away from, from any populated area. You are stuck in this decrepit, aging, abandoned Soviet ghost town, 
filled with the kind of megastructures that Lara dreamed of making early in their career. Uh, in this abandoned city, you meet its sole human inhabitant, uh, a young girl named Nika, in a school uniform of a bygone era. Uh, which, if I'm being honest, it, it really just looks like a a, a French-made uniform. Um, weird, odd choice for a game of this caliber, but I mean, it it's an RPG Maker game. It's got to have some strange internet yeah. crust on it somewhere. I mean, f- for all we know, that could be that could be a pre-made asset. It very well could be. In this game, you, with Nika, explore this uh, crumbling apartment complex, uh, hunting for gasoline and discovering the true nature of Nika and the city as you delve deeper into flesh, blood, and concrete. This game reveals its hand pretty slow, um, which I feel is rare for RPG Maker games. They tend to... They tend to show you the themes they're working with very early on and kind of hammer that point on over and over and over again. I feel that this game is different. This game didn't really click with me until the very end. Like, halfway through the game, before I finished it, I took a break to look for other games <laughs> to see, like, all right, what what else am I, what else can I find that I'm going to have something to say about? But this game really, Ooh. really pulled out the rug from under me, you know, really surprised me. So in this game, as as I said, you're hunting for gasoline to fill up your car because you, uh, it is revealed that you went out driving in this storm because you don't really want to live anymore, but you are terrified of the finality of ending your life. So you just went driving out into a snowstorm, hoping that you would just quietly blink out of existence. Just show up on the nightly news after the storm had passed. Instead, you find yourself crashed on a snowbank, more so immobilized than crashed, and your car is out of gas. After having been running the entire night to keep you warm. You explore this decrepit apartment building in this Soviet ghost satellite city, one of those cities that was built in the prosper of the Cold War and had become all but abandoned as the Soviet Union shrank and inevitably disbanded. It is a relic of a town. It is abandoned, or so it seems. You meet this young girl who speaks very fondly of her family and how she owns this entire apartment complex and that there's gasoline somewhere. You just have to go find it, and I'll help you find it. And as you start exploring with Nika, you're picking up this uh, inordinate amount of trinkets, these uh, little nothing objects like a, a, a soda can, a, a crocheted um, cross, or not crocheted, a, a cross-stitching of a cat, a... Uh, a burned up piece of a poem that you can't read anymore. All these small little memories and slowly it's revealed to you that these are little moments from your life. Which is weird! Uh, You talk through your thoughts with uh, Nika about why is this place showing me bits of myself? Uh, And why also is it when sometimes I open doors uh, these rooms are filled with hair 
or with uh, pulsating mounds of flesh that seem to carry on into the walls for miles? Why does this structure seem like more than an apartment building? It's your brain, ain't it? It's... No, that's the thing. There, there were so many ways I thought this game was gonna go. You know, the traditional yeah, RPG, sounds... like very substandard RPG maker way of like, oh well, it turns out you were just dreaming the whole time, and this is your you subconscious. Did die. Or, yeah, or oh, you did die, and this is you know how you're uh, conceptualizing it, or oh, there's there's something that you need to conquer in yourself uh, to get out of this apartment building. It doesn't do any of that. It doesn't. It actually takes a stand that I think some people might have a problem with. It it takes oh. a it takes a stand that I think some people might rub oh. against. Um there comes a point in this RPG where you are exploring all the rooms and you're talking with Nika and Nika is revealing little bits about herself and her family and it becomes obvious that this apartment complex is her family. And that she can't leave, and she's tried to leave, but she doesn't know how, and she can't, and there's something, there's a force that's always keeping her here, and the the complex is her family. Now, the complex isn't adversarial. There's no combat in this game. There's no forces that are working against you other than yourself. But there is a very powerful theme here at play in that, and I didn't get it until the very end, it's this the this this idea that love and belonging can look so foreign that it becomes disgusting and wretched and an unnatural thing that we can only conceptualize through our experience with loneliness. Nika doesn't quite Nika's a kid and she doesn't quite understand what you mean when you talk about wanting to end your life. And she's constantly making you promise to come back or to write her or to stick around for this and that. Um, and you have options to brush her off or to promise her things. And the game has these moments, these really touching moments of lucidity that I think really show what's at the heart of that kind of despair there's almost three competing, not themes, these three competing aesthetics. The aesthetic of this blank, white wasteland that offers you nothing, that is just a place where you go to disappear to, which is where the main character tried to disappear to. And you have this writhing, warm, red collection of viscera that is upon looking at disgusting and unnatural, but upon further inspection is kind and is most importantly, the only thing that's alive. Fuck man. And there's this third thing that I haven't talked about. This third aesthetic that is rot. There are multiple points in this game where you take a wrong turn or you go into a, a secluded off room that is just filled with rot and decay, this greenish-brown mess. And it is always just a single body alone or 
just a, a very unhappy place. This is a game that really wants you to know that loneliness is very easy, but it is very hard on you. And it really touched me in that in that way. It like it didn't talk about the, you know, the the power of human connection. It didn't talk about, you know, it's you know, it it's light's a good thing if you just let it in. No, it being alone and running away and disappearing, those things are those things feel natural and easy, but Yeah, for a certain kind of people it's the the easiest thing in the world almost. Yeah. I'm fuck, I'm one of those people. Like Yeah, I feel like I'm one of those people too. There's so many points where it the game is almost shaking you awake and saying, You cannot make it on your own. You can't go it alone. Like there are points where you're wandering through this labyrinthine, unnatural maze by yourself and you really cannot hack it. You keep falling through floors and opening doorways into old memories until you reunite with Nika and she leads the way and she helps you. I feel like so much of what makes this game fantastic is its themes, the, uh, you know, the, the gameplay and the visuals and the music, it's RPG maker. You know what it is. Um, so I don't, I don't really want to go more into it. You know, it's, I think you should play it, but there is one beautiful scene that I really want to talk about. It's this scene where Nika shows you a special place for her. It's this swimming pool in the, the basement of the complex. It's nearly empty, uh, she talks about how it's been evaporated over years and years. And in the shallow end, right in the middle, is this big grand piano spilling with pulsating fleshy entrails and arteries. And she walks up to it and she plays it. She says that even with her strong connection to her family that we've now learned is the complex, is this flesh that she's surrounded by, it still gets lonely sometimes. That even with, even being literally surrounded by warm body, it can get lonely. And she says, when I'm lonely and I want to cry and I'm sick of hearing my own voice, I play this. I feel their love wrapping around me. It's beautiful. People come and go and go and go. But my family will be here forever. Aren't you scared of being lonely? Aren't you scared of cold death and the snow outside? Doesn't this sound beautiful? And depending on how you play the game, on what you collected, I believe you can have different responses, but the response I got was, something horrid could not produce such beauty. I want to be as harmonic, as loved, as held together as this. And man, that just kind of really got me. God damn it, man. I <laughs> just, just like the idea that Nika is telling you that, yeah, I still get lonely sometimes. Sometimes it really hurts to be the only thing around here that can kind of express myself through voice and sight and sound. But I know that I'm not alone. I just need to remind myself that. 
It's hard. It's not easy. But I know it. God damn, that's beautiful, man. It's just, it's really nice. But it's it's also presented, like the ending is presented in, in a way that if you had written it just slightly differently, or even if you interpret it in a way that I didn't interpret it, which I don't, I'm not 100% certain is the correct way to interpret things. This could be considered the like incredibly dark, like a, a grim, abysmal ending, which I don't want to spoil, but you are given a choice in which the good ending is the ending puts you in a position where you don't get that final 12th step on the hero's journey. You don't get that return to town changed. You just change irrevocably. I don't know. I This game really affected me in a way that I, that through 90% of this game, I didn't think it would. And then it all just came together. It, it's got a really brave ending. <laughs> like, it's got a lot of balls to it, that I and I really liked it. That uh, piques my curiosity. I it, it only took me like an hour, an hour and a half. It's, yeah. And I don't know, the, there's definite themes going on with the, the use of an old Russian satellite town. Like there's definite themes here of like the how the architect the the main character is an architect who wanted to build Soviet megastructures, and like there there's something there about memory. But like the the most powerful thing for me is just the the themes of loneliness and belonging and how our lives are affected by being surrounded by caring. I don't know, man. This game kicks fucking ass, dude. This is one. <laughs> it's it's funny we talked a lot of hay about RPG makers, but this is genuinely one of the most touching games I've ever played. Being a close second to another RPG game to the moon. Like, man. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing about it. This this is the thing about tools like th- like this is why rpg maker is objectively a good thing yeah <laughs> like it's a good thing this exists so that people people can make this kind of shit with a low yeah. barrier to with as low a barrier to entry as possible yeah as as long as there is at least one person out there who has this touching and fantastic an idea for a game without the acumen to straight up program one then RPG Maker is a net good in my book. Absolutely. 100% agree. Anyway, that's Flesh, Blood, and Concrete by IO. Uh, Please go fucking play this game. Holy shit. Bobby, tell me about your depressing game. I'm glad you asked. I I didn't really ask. I told. You did kind of tell. But, and I'm not particularly glad... But nonetheless, I uh, loved There Swings a Skull, Grim Tidings by Quinn K. Now, I want to preface here by saying that this is the full release of a game made for 
the uh queer games bundle 2022 and oh, the haunted yeah. ps1 uh summer of shivers uh game jam and that that game was just titled there swings a skull now there swings a skull grim tidings is uh 698 it includes the entirety of there swings a skull plus essentially uh, a whole second act that kind of wraps up the the story that was introduced there tell me about this story what's what's the pitch of this game I don't think there's anything that I could say to do it justice other than just read the itch.io uh, store description for the full game Go because ahead. it's just fucking haunting. Uh, so here it goes. The town of Pereldis stands in the center of a vast desert. Its citizens live their lives quietly, or at least they once did. In recent days, the speaker gallows sprang weed-like in the heart of the town, and since its inception, the denizens of Pereldis have been sacrificed one by one. The electric words that spew from the gallows claim this is to staunch the blistering hatred of the vengeful sun, but the heat has only grown more and more unbearable. Yeah, this this sounds depressing as hell. Yeah, honestly, that description gives you all you need to know tonally. This is a game where the first image you see is the player character looking out of his bedroom window and watching a woman stare up at the sky as her face shrivels up and she bursts into flames. Jesus. And he just goes about his morning routine uh, as if this is business as usual, because it is. Um, This is the story of a married couple, two uh, older men, Anatoly and Piotr. We love Anatoly and Piotr. We fucking love them, man. (laughs) Living in this doomed town that is slowly being destroyed by this all-consuming heat. Uh, Anatoly works at the train station, and he has this dream of leaving. There hasn't been a train that's arrived in years. His job is totally obsolete, but he spends every day standing on the train platform waiting for someone to come and rescue him from the desert. And Piotr is this artist. Piotr's a really interesting character because he has kind of this uh, vision of grandeur. He wants to save the world. And also, Anatoly is just kind of... Anatoly is his world, essentially. Um, Every thought, at least in the early portion of uh, Pyotr's act, because this game is split into two acts. The The first one is Anatoly, and then you switch to Pyotr after kind of a cliffhanger deal. Um, Pyotr just kind of has this uh, emptiness inside of him whenever Anatoly's gone. And it's oh. a thing that kind of terrifies him. And this is the the thing that, I mean, like, the the surreal kind of apocalypse that this place is going through is awesome 
But I think where this game really shines is these two's relationship. Because there is kind of... These two love each other deeply. But they live in this dying town. Anatoly has worked the same literally pointless job for years. Spending eight hours a day away from the love of his life. Doing literally nothing. And Pyotr trying to paint, but really just waiting for Anatoly to come back. That's fascinating to hear that in a world blighted by uh, spontaneous combustion, the most impacting part of the game is a lot more similar to our lives. There's... So, I'm going to go back to Anatoly for a sec, because... He's he's the focus of uh, the the beginning of the game and sort of the the free version that you can get uh, that was part of the the game bundle or the the uh, game jam. Anatoly has this really deep seated kind of self loathing. There's this really interesting design choice that the game makes where. You have a lot of, you know, dialogue options when you're talking to Pyotr. Like, you know how games work. You have a list of things. Yeah, I know how games work. But every time those come up, he refuses to say any of them. Oh. Because everything that Anatoly can think to say in in a given moment is just the worst sounding thing in the world to him. And there's just this really intense uh, self-loathing that, that kind of builds up. And, you know, as as the world's getting worse, as fires break out through the town, Pyotr starts getting extremely upset, disappearing for a whole day and then appearing just to ask why the fuck Anatoly hasn't left his dead-end job yet. Anatoly has this moment where a dialogue list comes up. And instead of the dialogue options being distinct choices of what to say, they are lines of a poem which reads, Nothing I can think to say feels like enough. Oh my god. And it's just like... My boys. This is probably one of the most mature games I've ever played. Not in a, you know, blood and guts and sex way. Just in, I I think this is one of the most mature takes on a relationship I've seen. Where these two people mean the world to each other. They love each other so fucking much. And yet they can't save each other. And the fact that they both take this weight on their shoulders, that they have to save one another, is destroying their relationship. And, you know, it's it's really interesting because, like, the, the indie scene is, is full of uh, cute uh, queer relationships a lot of coming of age stories, a lot of, I mean, fucking butterfly soup. Am I right? Yeah. I was um, about to it, say like, it's, I, I was going to say this is 
refreshing doesn't quite uh sound right, but it is nice to see a it's nice to see a queer story that isn't just a coming out story. These are both like 40 plus year old men. They've been out. They've been married for several months. And so like the self-discovery isn't even a part of the equation here. They know who they are. It's just sometimes, especially when the world is going to shit, you just don't know how to help the people you love. And that's just such a real thing. Jesus. And it is, I mean, this is the other thing, like, you know, the world, the world is on fire because of this cruel, unrelenting sun. I mean, like there's, there's this pervasive climate despair allegory kind of going on, right? The world is just getting more and more unbearably hot. And the only way that you can keep this mystical destructive son at bay is for someone to sacrifice themselves on the speaker gallows which is this thing in the the center of town where occasionally you'll hear announcements from this bureaucratic mayor who has locked himself underground in this air-conditioned kind of complex of course occasionally shouting to the the above ground inhabitants through the speaker gallows about how they need to make sacrifices in order to keep the apocalypse at bay and it's just like i don't know man it's a it's a fucking real game and keep in mind all of this <laughs> all of this is just the beginning when the town actually gets set aflame it it sets wheels in motion that i don't even want to get into because this this game just goes totally off the rails god um, damn in it in its in its sort of b-side um it's just that that feeling of helplessness is something that i've never really seen communicated effectively in a game before quite to this degree honestly i don't know if i can forgive this game for that (laughs) (laughs) and the great thing is all of that all of that stuff you can experience for free in the in the first uh game jam version yeah in the first kind of episode that was released as part of the game jam but i just want you to to kind of vaguely gesture and say the rest of it is worth the seven bucks <laughs> um, because there there are other characters that kind of I mean, are almost kind of comic relief in the introduction that um, when you see them, there's just a humanity that pervades fucking every pore of this game. No exceptions. And. When you see it, you'll know it. You'll know yourself through it. Oh, Um, man. Bobby, I'm already kind of an emotional wreck, and I've just heard you talk about it. God damn it, man. I'm not going to lie. This this whole time I've been talking, I've been just on the verge of tears because um, 
this is one of this is just one of those games that gets it. Yeah. One of those games that knows despair. It's it's got a very uh Eastern European sensibility to it. Um and not just in the the names of the characters, but in the this quiet, dignified suffering that gives way to this really uh unique sense of madness in the the later half interesting um this game i don't know if this is this is just me but it made me think a lot about three sisters (laughs) (laughs) jesus um it's funny because i was like you were talking about all this and i'm like damn this kind of reminds me of the seagull yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little, a little, a little Chekhovian. Like just, just a little bit. Just. Che- a little. Oh my God, it's Chekhov's son. Just a but, um, little bit. Check because oh of the God. sun in the sky, That's... not the. It's Chekhov's son. You no, get, it? I get it? It's Don't Chekhov's. Worry, I get it. No, it's okay. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I mean, I don't know, man. This game is just so fun. Like the dialogue option thing is kind of a microcosm for this broader kind of structural thing that's going on where you have multiple branching paths but not really like whenever you're anatoly and you're working your shifts at the uh, train station after day two you get the option to leave it all behind and go wandering the desert oh my god and there is nothing out there yeah, that... As far as I know, at least. But it gives you the option. I don't know, man. It's just that kind of game. <laughs> it's it's really impressive to see a game that writes this kind of tragedy. Like, it's, I feel like it's so easy to write a, tra- a tragedy of action where bad things are happening because of a, a series of cause and effect that you can very easily follow and trace back to a source, a sort of, we need to stop the bad guy tragedy. Whereas this is a, a, a tragedy of stasis. It really is. The real villain was how the human condition reacts to just time. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the real villain here is apathy. The friends thought. we made along the way. Yeah, it is. Almost, though. <laughs> but, but what, what can, can you, I do? What can you do? Really, what can you do? It's not so bad. Could be worse. At least I've got my hubby. This game dares to ask the question, what if you had a job and a husband? Fuck, man. What a really, brave though, game. <laughs> what a brave fucking game. No, this like this this truly sounds incredible. We uh we were joking earlier in Discord about like man, we we were going back and forth about all these cool looking RPG Maker games and like jokingly said, "Man, are RPG Maker games actually good?" Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, um I think yeah, I think uh yeah, uh yeah. Also, just a, another another broad statement just before I close out. I think this is a good way to close out. Um, in terms of the second half, yeah, it's a tragedy of stasis. This game also dares to say direct action fucking works. Wow, who who would have thought? Who would have thought helping people could help people so much? I gathered that from the text. 
I don't know, it's still, it's still pretty bleak, but man, is it cathartic. Well, good, Bobby. I'm glad you had your, your nice little catharsis. I'm glad I got this out, man. I'm glad. I feel like a weight has been lifted off of our, our chests. I think RPG Maker games are good, actually. Yeah, I think they may be art good, actually. Art good, actually, yeah. Art good, actually. I'm Hunter J. Allen, and I say art good, actually. Me too, man. Art good. This message approved by Bobby fucking McCarthy. Bobby, can we please talk about some fun games? <laughs> God damn it, man. I'd love to, but I haven't been playing anything else. Bobby, okay, all right, then I'll I'll talk a little bit about fun games. Uh, I, in searching for RPG Maker games, I played Hylix. Ooh. I had never played Hylix before. It's good. Bobby, Hylix is fucking bananas. It's good. I don't think I've ever played a more alien-feeling game. No, it's fun, though. Oh, it's, I mean, I... It's got a battle system. It does have a battle system, an inscrutable, <laughs> intolerable battle system. This game is absolutely bonkers. Uh, for anyone unfamiliar, uh, Hylix is a game that came out in 2015 by Mason Lindroth. It is described as a recreational program with light RP JRPG elements. Yeah, isn't all of the dialogue randomly generated? Yes, all... I, I would describe this game as uh, it looks like Dr. Seuss meets Salvador Dali with dialogue written by an AI machine learning version of Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, God. The dialogue yeah. sounds like it is ripped straight from a religious text written in an alien language that we just unearthed from from Egypt. Like it. it this feels like a game not made by and for humans like it. I don't know. It, this game's bananas, and it's it's really gorgeous. Like it, it is looks, one of those games that you can honestly say there's just nothing like it. Yeah, there really is nothing like it. No, there is one game like it. It's Hylix Two, baby. But that actually has a plot, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. I didn't play Hylix Two. I'm pretty I mean, sure it does. I think I it has think about as much of a plot as this one does. I don't think it's all random, though. Fair. I have I have no clue. I I. <laughs> Could not say. I don't know. I have them both in my library that I haven't played. Uh, I haven't played two, though. But yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. I'm just looking at footage of this game now, though. Got a great aesthetic. And the, music's, the music fits really well with it. Everything looks fun. Like, it's it's just a great looking game. It's very neat. Well, Bobby, <sighs> I'm I'm pretty spent. I'm... My soul is drained, <laughs> man. <laughs> My my heart is heavy. I don't know. I'm ready to go play some fucking. I want to play some Super Monkey Ball or something. Oh, dude! You think there's like a like a, an itchy spiritual successor to Monkey Ball? There's gotta be, man. There's got. I mean, Monkey there's Ball. There's no way that doesn't exist. Well, maybe we'll find it next episode on Two Itchy Boys. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, this is a a really. This was a. <laughs> This was a challenging episode. Thank you guys for sticking with us through this episode. <laughs> this one was a, a bit of a bummer, but I'm really glad we did it. We both really liked the games that we played. Oh, yeah. And I think you would enjoy them, too, if you played them. As always, uh, you can 
Check out the games we played in our description. Every episode comes out around Thursday. Uh, we, we try to get them out on Thursday every other week. So uh, check out Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever else you get your podcast from. Um, they should be up uh, every Thursday, every other Thursday. Uh, thank you to Twinkle Park for our theme song, Busy Busy. Uh, check her out in the description as well. And uh, if you like the show, uh, give us a share. Maybe don't. Maybe not this episode. Maybe this is the bad first episode uh, to get somebody in on. But yeah, this is this is for after you've already fallen in love with us. This is like our our deep. Uh, this is our deep, intimate episode for the yeah. fans with whom we've already built an emotional connection. Uh, show them our fucking. Just show them your favorite episode. Yeah, show them. Show them our boys' night episode. Show them our Ooh. fucking space episode. Show them our fucking point and click episode. Something, man. Just not this one. If you'd like, you know, you don't. You don't gotta. I'm not gonna tell you nobody. Should, though. I mean, you, yeah, but you don't have to. It's okay. Uh, but we do, before we leave, have one last bit of business to attend to. Yep, that's right. You know what it is, folks. Every episode uh, at the end, we fill up a wheel with topics and subjects for games, and we spin it, and whatever it lands on, that's what we'll be covering next episode. That's right. God, I haven't felt this bad since after the fishing episode. Jesus, guy. God. Just spin that wheel, man. And spin in that wheel. It's the final spin wheel. Ooh, I think this next... I, I'm so glad that Bobby, this is a real treat, especially after this episode. Oh, please give it to me. I need this. We're going straight from the the most dour episode we've ever done to farm and garden games. Oh, man. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That'll I'm excited. Be nice. That'll be so nice. It's going to be so pleasant. Going to have a little vacation after. Yeah, just a little vacation after that. After that. After the darkness. <laughs> you know what they say? It's always darkest before the farm. They do say that. Yeah, they they do in fact say that. So yeah, we will we will catch you on the next step with farm and garden games. And as always, I, despite what you've been told, am Hunter J. Allen. And after everything, I am still Bobby McCarthy. And we've been two itchy boys. Boys, boys, boys. Boys, boys, boys.